1. Philippians chapter 1. We'll look at verses 21 through 26. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, verse 21 through 26. Y'all know the scripture. And Paul is writing to the church at the Philippian church. He says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm pressured by both. I have to desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now that should be the desire of every Christian. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Obviously, this is an issue for many born-again children of God. When we look at what is waiting for us, there's a great desire to go and be with the Lord. I'm not talking about suicidal tendencies. I'm talking about being homesick for our heavenly home. We long to be reunited with our loved ones who have already gone to that place. Their troubles, their trials, their tribulations, and we long to escape because we see that happening. We're saying, look at what's happening in this world today. And so we long to be with the Lord. And we know that it will be a glorious time because we'll be in the actual presence and glory of Jesus himself. We'll be in the presence of glory. And we obviously know that these old bodies cannot be in the fullness of the glory of God because they'd be torn to shreds. But we won't have to worry about that because we'll receive a new body. Amen? Now that's good news. We'll have a new body. Because these old bodies are decaying. They're, they're rotting away. We're getting older. My skin's not as elastic as it used to be. I can't see quite like I used to be able to do. I run three miles a day. I have for years and, and more, actually. But I've slacked back to three miles a day. But also, my speed that I run those three miles has slacked way back. People are passing me. Those that are, I mean, they're zooming past me like a sports car. And I'm going, wow, I'm really slowing down here. Well... We're getting time, we're getting older, and we know I long to go be with the Lord. But Paul is talking about it here in a very special way, and we're going to talk about it a little bit today, because for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And that should be our desire, too, as long as we're here, we're living for Christ. But once we get home to be with the Lord, oh, it will be worth it all, just like that old hymn says, when we see Jesus, it will be all worth it all. We will say, oh, let me tell you, lay your burdens down. Because we'll be in the presence of God himself. That's the wonderful promise that we have. No other religion says that. They just hope you'll get there. Some say, well, you'll get all these virgins and all that. I don't know what they would do with the virgins to begin with. But it's certainly, they believe it's something high and wonderful. But let me tell you today, being in the presence of the Lord is going to be beyond anything we can imagine today. Heaven is exciting. We must not forget. That we're on this earth for a reason. In fact, the reason that we're still here is because he's not finished with us yet. People will say, well, I can't do what I used to do and neither can I. But he's not finished with us yet. He's not finished with you or you wouldn't be sitting in these pews today. You wouldn't be occupying the space that you are today if God was finished with you. We would be out at the graveside preaching your sermon, okay, and your service. But he's not finished with us today. There are people all around us 
that should benefit from our life for Christ. There are lost people that need to hear about salvation. There are people that need to be mentored. There are people that need to be encouraged. There are people that need to be discipled. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He said that we're a part of that, not just the preachers, and certainly not just those that obviously are in full-time Christian service. It's each and every one of us's responsibility. We're living on earth, but we're longing for heaven. Paul struggled with this great dilemma while he was here on this earth here, and he had different desires. First of all, he had, he says this, there's a desire to leave. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, for I am in a strait betwixt the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. It's clear here that Paul greatly desired to leave this walk of life and enter into his eternity with his Savior. We know in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about that Paul had been in and out of prison many times, whipped time and again. Five separate times he'd received 39 lashes. Many times he'd faced death. And on three occasions he was beaten with rods. He had been stoned, shipwrecked, and lost at sea. He had traveled many weary miles, been robbed and beaten. He was persecuted by the Jews and Gentiles and hypocrites. He encouraged, encountered dangers in cities, deserts, and on the sea. He did without food for long lengths of time. He obviously didn't have the proper clothes. Many times he was cold. He carried a heavy, heavy burden. And so he was ready to go. He said, I've done what you called me to do. Lord Jesus, and yet God still had something for him to do. He had been bound in a Roman prison. In fact, when he wrote the book of Philippians, he was in a Roman prison at that particular time. His health was failing. His eyesight was failing. And we know that he obviously, he wanted to depart here. And actually, he realized that his, his body was deteriorating. But what was happening in Paul? What did he see in his life that was happening this time. Actually, his spirit was getting stronger. He actually, he was getting stronger inwardly. The Bible says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on those things that are seen, but those things that are unseen, because those things that are seen are temporary, but those things that are unseen are eternal. Outwardly, we are wasting away. But inwardly, we're getting stronger. Are you getting more excited about Jesus coming back, uh, back again today than you did even a week ago or maybe a year ago? Are you more excited now about what's happening in the body of Christ, no matter what you see happening today? Today versus 10 years ago, I am. I'm getting stronger down deep. I'm getting stronger today. And this is what was happening with the Apostle Paul today. I'm beginning to see things. Maybe it's because I know my time may be drawing near. Maybe the reality of that. Now, we know at any time you can be called home. But as you get older, you know you may not have much time left. I was, I was with a gentleman I had not seen in about three or four years here. I had coffee with him on Friday. And, and I had done this funeral service for his wife. And he said, Jim... Uh, I, I'm, get, I'm 78 years old. Uh, I don't know how much longer that I'll have here on this earth. Uh, maybe five years. And I said, you're right. And I called him by name. And I said, I don't know how long and neither do you. He said, but uh, he said, <clears throat> I, I want to make the most of it. And I, I, I want to help as many people as I can during that time. My family, I want to make sure they're okay. They're secure. I want to be able to do this and that. And he said, I want to go to heaven. He said, don't you believe that when we go to heaven, we'll see our loved ones? 
those that have gone on before us? And I said, yes, I do. He said, don't you believe I'll see my mother and my father and and those friends because this man is very well known in the north side of town. He's a very wealthy man. And and he has a lot and he just loves helping other people. And he said, don't you believe that? I said, yes, but time is fleeting today. So he has a desire. He said, basically, what he's saying, I want to help my family. I want to do all I can while I'm here on this side. But, but I'm longing for my heavenly home. Also, I'm, I'm longing to see my wife who's gone on about four years ago. He tells me this, and I'm going, that's exactly right. You've got a desire to depart, but there are more things that you've got to do while you're here. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. His health was changing. Everything was happening to him, and things seemed to be going downhill. But he never, ever moved away from that commitment and that surrender to Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. You remember, he was struck down. He was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. And Jesus struck him down on the road to Damascus and that heavenly light and and just blinded him, actually physically blinded him. And, and Jesus said, why, Paul, do you continue to kick against the goads? Remember what he said? Basically, why do you continue to resist me? I believe today that's what we need today. is the light of Christ penetrating the darkness in people's hearts. That Jesus would speak to them and say, why do you continue to resist me? Because I bring life to you. And there is no other way that you'll have life apart from me. And the Apostle Paul never forgot about that encounter with Jesus today. I'll never forget about my encounter with the Lord in 1985, November of 1985. I remember back when I was a little boy and I I accepted the Lord in my heart. But Jesus came and when I finally, I gave him all of my life and when I fully surrendered to him on November in 1985, I gave my heart to Christ. And it's never been the same ever since. There have been tough times, obviously, There have been challenges. There have been times when I have strayed away from him and that call upon my life. But I always remember when God Almighty, I encountered him in a powerful way in our home over in Pearland. Never forget it. Never forget it. And to this day, I can go back. And to be reminded of that, it encourages me. And you need encouragement too. Because if not, you'll continue to dwell upon the fact I've got to leave this world because look at what's happening, what's happening all around us today. And God is saying, I'm not through with you yet because you're here. I'm not through using you in whatever I want to do. And the Apostle Paul was the same reason. Because it wasn't but four or five years later that he was actually prepared to go home to be with the Lord. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Listen to words of this old song. I've got a longing. I'm homesick to go to a land without heartaches, no sorrow or woe. There's nothing but trouble in this world below. I'm homesick for heaven. I've got a longing to go. There's several reasons we're longing to leave. First of all, we're going to a place where there's no more sorrow. Revelation chapter 21 says, God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Revelation. During that time, there'll be no more death, no more crying there. There'll be no more, obviously, sorrow. Because this life is filled with sorrow. In heaven, we'll never sit in the hospital room and watch any, any of our loved ones suffer. Never again will we see our children hurt and struggle. We'll not have to stand beside a casket and shed a tear at the loss of a loved one. 
There will be no more bad news from the doctor. In fact, there will be not any doctors in heaven. They won't be needed because there will no longer be cancer. There will no longer be diabetes. There will no longer be Alzheimer's. Because I want to tell you today, in, in Houston alone, there are more lockdown memory care units than you can, can, you can imagine are being built all the time because Alzheimer's and dementia are accelerating at a, at a tremendous rate today. And I went into many of them when I was on hospice today. I saw people, they don't know anything, their minds are taken away. It's horrible. No more of this stuff in heaven. Amen and amen. No more of this. That's why. We can say, we've got something to do here. You remember here recently that you saw a lady that was the basketball coach of, of uh, I believe it was of Tennessee, the, the ladies' basketball team in Tennessee. She actually had a diagnosis uh, when she was 59 years old. And she died, I think, five years later. She died here a couple months ago and all. She was 59 when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. You don't know about that. But I'm so glad today that we're going to a place where there's no more of these things going on. But also, obviously, we're going to a place where there's no more sin. Notice what the scripture says, Revelation 21. And there shall be in no wise enter into that place anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination. No more sin in that place. Going, I'm sick and tired of sin. I'm sick and tired of sometimes, and I stumble and fall. Sick and tired of being tempted all the times in this life. And sick and tired. No more of this. A place of peace. A place where we can go. Be delivered from all of this and real, real meaning of deliverance there. And also the penalty and power of sin. Very presence of sin there. Heaven is a place where no more murder, no more adultery, homosexuality, the covetousness, jealousy, greed, pride, anger, hate, war, any other transgression there. No more child abuse. Praise God. I can't stand that when children are abused. I told this story many a times when I first went into hospice. I visited a man from the fifth ward, and I would visit him every week. His wife was on hospice. She died, and I wanted to continue to see him. And my boss, who was a strong Christian, said, Jim, you see him whenever you want to see him. I saw him once a week for five years, and we would sit on the front porch and rock. He didn't have hardly anything. He was from Louisiana. He had his hand cut off from here over. All he had was a thumb on his right hand because from a sawmill. He worked. He was a laborer. And he had stepped on a rusty nail when he was a little boy, and he got tetanus, and so he always walked with a limp. He had one leg a little bit shorter. He always walked like that. When he was young, he walked like that. He had his hand cut off like that and all. He didn't have hardly anything. He would work at goodwill probably for less than minimum wage. But God took care of that man, and I'll never forget him. For five years, I visited him. I remember he used to say to his daughter, when's that preacher coming by here? When's he coming by? I want to talk about Jesus with the preacher man coming by here. And we sit on the front porch in the heat of Houston, Texas. And we, we would rock and rock. And we'd talk about Jesus coming back again. And I remember one day he was sitting in his house. And he had an old type of TV. He didn't have a pl- flat screen, let me tell you. He had an old TV. He had a TV and we were watching the news there. And they were talking about during that time there were a lot of children that were being molested. And he sat there, and I looked over at him. I'll never forget it. And tears were running down his face. And he said, Jim, pe- preacher. He called me preacher. Preacher, 
He said, how could anybody do that to a child? And I told him, I said, Mr. Clark, I said, I have no idea. I said, it, it just breaks your heart. And he broke his heart, that old man. I was there, visiting him in the hospital, and spoke at his funeral. Let me tell you, no more child abuse. No more of these things when we get to heaven. That's why we long to go home. Because we're going to a place with no more, sa- no more Satan. Satan desires to defeat and destroy the children of God. He wants to do it. 1 Peter 5 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He walks about seeking whom he can devour. No more spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. No more spiritual warfare. Praise the name of the Lord. No more of that stuff here in heaven. When we seek to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God, our adversary will do all that he can to get us to fall. But when we get to the promised land, no more Satan. Revelation 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's one more reason we desire to leave. And obviously... It is, we get to the promised reward that Jesus said, come in and, and welcome me. He would welcome us when we get there. My good and faithful servant, enter into your inheritance and what we've done for the Lord. The second thing is, there is a desire to live. For me to live is Christ, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what shall I choose? I don't know. Obviously, it means living for Jesus Christ there. Even though through the difficulties there, is that we are to live for Jesus. Our one focus, our one desire is like Psalm 27 says, the one thing that I desire, the one thing that I seek after, and that is to gaze upon your beauty, to worship Him in His temple. That should be the one thing of a Christian's life, is to live for Jesus Christ. He's our life. He's our blessing. He's our all in all. He's all that we need. When we have Jesus, He's all we need today. But there's a natural desire in every human being to continue to live. I've stood at the bedside of many people who were at the point of death. And people obviously have had dealt with cancer for years and years and their bodies were ravaged by the disease and, and the attempted cure, radiation, chemotherapy, left them like mere shells. It was unbearable there. You remember me. I've told this story many times. This happened many, many times. But I remember a lady over there. She was off of 288. And there on the side. And she was 103 years old. She was racked with cancer. And, and uh, looked nothing but skin and bones. And she looked up at me and she said, Preacher, why is all this happening to me? And I wanted to say it's because you're 103 years old. And you're eat up with cancer. But I couldn't say that. But she still had a desire to live. No matter what. That's that drive down within us. It's a desire to live. Now, a lot of you say, well, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. But when you actually face death, I want to hear what you have to say then. When you face the reality, when death is facing you in the face, I want to hear what you have to say. You may say, one more day, Lord. Could you give me just one more day? Now, I know that shifts and God gives us grace. To be able to enter into that realm of peace that he gives, obviously. But the truth of the matter is, we're facing death all day long. We're like sheep being led to the slaughter every day. 
And God is saying today we need to be ready. It's a natural desire to live there. And sometimes we obviously, we need to keep pressing on many people. I want to see my grandchildren raised up. I want to make sure they're okay. I want to see that they get married. I want to make sure they marry the right person there. I want to make sure that they're okay, they're secure, they're on the right path. And there's nothing wrong with having these desires. There are many times that I would like to see these things before my time comes. And I want to see all these things happening here. And I want to see revival, awakening. I want to see Him. But you see today, the real reason is to live for Christ. To live for Christ each and every day. And I can't force you to do that. All you do is you make a choice, and I make a choice every day, of what really is my priority in life. Is it Jesus and my relationship? Is it living for Christ and knowing that there's gain in death, certainly? But living for Christ as long as we're here, making an influence upon that sphere of influence that you have. That gentleman I met with, I was talking to him, and I said, what you're doing is you've got a sphere of influence. And I said, and your grandchildren and your, your son and, and all your family, you've got a sphere of influence. And what he's doing is he's making a difference. He wants to see that they have high values, that they truly know that they're on the right path. He's helping them all they can. He also said, Jim, I want them to know, I want them to have some skin in the game. He doesn't want to just take care of them. He wants them to be able to take care of themselves. And he's trying to teach them in the way that he would desire. The third thing here is there's a desire to labor. In verse 24, that nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. He had about four or five years left when, after he wrote this there and he wanted the churches to be strengthened what is your supreme motivation for living is it to fulfill your dreams is it to mark off items on your bucket list is it to make as much money as you can and buy as much stuff as possible are you living each day building your kingdom or his is the it's the kindest way possible let me say if you're not living every day for christ then really you're wasting your life Nothing that you can take with you is going to amount to a hill of beans. Nothing. When you take your last breath, it's your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you spend your days working for the Savior? Are there things that you're focused on, things that last throughout eternity? Remember what Matthew 6 says? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupts and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves don't break through or steal. The ultimate goal of your life should not be to leave your family a great monetary inheritance when you die, although it's okay, but that should not be the priority. And I know, obviously, we go and Cindy and I go and do things, and our daughter accuses us of spending her inheritance. (laughs) I go, that's right. We're spending your inheritance. But my desire 
And my goal is to live for Christ until he either takes me home by death or he comes back in the rapture and takes us home. God has blessed us far greater than I would ever, ever imagine. And through God's word, I know that there are treasures waiting for me in heaven. I've been promised crowns from my Savior. I have a mansion that's built waiting for me in glory. And one day, I will literally walk on the streets of gold. Now that's good news. Because I want to live for Christ. Do I do it righty? No, I mess it up. But I'm so glad I have a Savior. And I run into His arms. And I seek and ask and look up into him, His face and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. And you know what's been on my heart even here recently more than I have, I think, in a long time is, is to continue to beseech His forgiveness. To know that I'm forgiven of my sins. To know that I'm ready to go whenever He calls me, but until that time, I want to live for Christ. I can honestly say I have a desire to labor. Can you say that? Do you have the same desire that Paul had? Do you want to live your life laboring for the king? What am I doing with my life as I have given to Jesus here? Are you being a good steward with your time and your talents and treasures? In 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in this body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We will be judged, not at the great white throne, but at the judgment seat of Christ. Will you stand there and watch the efforts of this life burn up as wood, hay, and stubble? Are you storing up gold, silver, and precious stones that will be the basis for your reward? Are you laboring for Jesus? Paul faced the dilemma. He desired to be with Christ in heaven to serve Him. And some around, time around 57 A.D., Paul mentioned his desire to leave and be with, with Christ. And there at 2 Corinthians, he, was, he said, I say I'm willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Five years later, this is what he said in 2 Timothy. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all of them that love his what? Appearing. That love his appearing. Are you looking for Jesus to come back again? I love his appearing. Do you? I don't know when he'll come back. I, flee, I believe the time is short. But I don't know the time, the day or the hour. But I believe we could be in that season of time. But do you love his appearing? Are you ready for his appearing? 
that He's got something stored up in heaven for you, blessings as you've never known before. Because the only way you would long for His appearing is, is that you know that you're walking according to His Word. Those that are not, they certainly wouldn't want Jesus to come back again because they may find Him in the wrong places, doing the wrong things, and not living for Christ. But if you're living for Jesus, you're longing for His appearing. When time came for Paul to leave, Paul could do so with confidence. If you were to find yourself on your deathbed this week, will you be able to say, I have done what I was called to do? If not, there's time to change. There's time to say, Lord, I repent. Help me to get ready. You see, it's, it's never too late. If you can hear the voice of the Lord, never too late. And so what the Lord is saying today is, what is our priority? Are you humble enough to hear God? Or have you shut Him out? Because of different reasons that we've talked about Him over the last few weeks. Are you hungry enough to say, Lord, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you do. I am here. And I want you so desperately that I lay my life before you because I want to live for Jesus. Is that your desire today? If it's not, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time, what, on worries? You're wasting your time on doing things that are not of the Lord, that God's never called you to do? You're wasting your time because the only thing that's going to bring fruit is your relationship with Jesus Christ. To live for, is, is Christ and to die is gain. I understand there's a desire to go home, isn't it? But there's also the reality of if you're here today, then God's not finished with you. And I want to claim, I want to tell you today with all certainty, He has not put you on a shelf. Some people believe because of health or because of this or that, that He's put you on a shelf and He's finished with you, although you're here physically. I don't believe that one minute. If you're here today, it's because God Almighty has a plan and He's going to work something through your life if you open your heart to Him and believe Him. The only thing that stops God is your unbelief. Jesus said, if you'll just believe me, you shall see my glory. Just believe Him and get rid of that unbelief. Shake off depression off of you. Shake off apathy off of you. And rise up and shine, for His light has come. And His glory fills us to the very fullest. That's what He's saying. Shake it off. Shake off those things and saying, God can't use me. Because I've never been used by God before. Or maybe I'm just starting today. Shake it off of you. And rise up. And be what God has called you to do. You can start this day, church. You can start this day. God is saying today, He's looking for people that are called of his, by His name. The marvelous light of Jesus is shining forth if you allow Him. 
because he's not through with us. Because when he is, then somebody's going to preach your sermon, service. Somebody. It may be me if you allow me, but it may be somebody preaching my service. I don't know. But he's not through with Jim Barcliffe. And he's not through with you, and he's not through with the church, let me tell you. I have a lot of things, complaints about what's happening today. That God would come and shake that apathy off of you and me and get us on spiritual fire. But God told me here a couple weeks ago, he said, don't you criticize my church. Don't you criticize my bride. There's a fine line. Do not criticize the bride of Christ. There are things we want to see done differently, and there are things that we know, and because of the fire of God to fall upon the church of God. They don't criticize his bride. It's his bride. We're to beseech him. And we're to love him. And we're to love his church. And we're to love the people of God. God Almighty is doing great things. Are you ready? Are you saying that one desire is to live as Christ, to die as gain? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Get rid of everything in my life. Get rid of everything in this church's life that's not like you, that you don't want. And then get us in line with what you're doing, not what I'm doing or trying to do or anything else, anybody else, but what your spirit is doing. So the only way we can do that, have hearts together in unity and love and, and hear your voice to see what you're doing and to hear what you're doing. And dear Lord, we know one thing you're doing. And that is you're bringing us into a relationship and that one desire, priority of our lives, to live as Christ and to die as gain. To live. And we're here, so we want to live for Christ each and every day. I pray today you release your spirit in this church. You'd release your gifts in this church. You would release your power, dear Lord, and your presence here. That you would touch every life in this church today. And any person in this church is saying, I just want to, I want to hunger for the, for the Lord today. I just want you to raise your hand if you would. Raise your hand. I want to hunger for the Lord like I've never known. I want the presence of the Lord in my life. I know he's with me, but I want the presence of the Lord. I want to walk in the presence of the Lord. Raise your hands, would you? Would you raise your hands? I've raised my hand, Lord. You see us. I pray you'd answer our prayers. Come and touch each and every person in this place. And dear Lord, set us on spiritual fire. Revive us, O oh God. I mentioned last week. I've been listening to a song. And it's kind of a gospel song, but it's, it's kind of an upbeat song that basically, I can't even say, I'll be honest with you. And I mentioned it last week, so I'm going to repeat it. Please forgive me. And the words go like this, part of it says, Can't you hear the thunder in the distance? It's like a train at the edge of the town. And I mentioned last week, I'm a country boy. I've lived in little smaller places, and the train coming up into town you can hear it at a distance and it's starting to roar and those diesels and they're, they're pulling those boxcars and it's starting to roar and you can hear it in a distance 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's starting to roar down deep. I can hear it, that train in the distance right outside of town. And it's coming this way. It's a move of God's spirit. And in the song, the words go, revive us. Revive us. Revive us with fire. Revive us with fire. That's my heart's desire. Because what we see happening in this country and in our lives in the church today, we need to be revived with fire. With fire. The fire of God's Holy Spirit. It's the only answer. He is the only one. Jesus. 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 And when God's people come together with the one priority in their lives to live as Christ, I believe the sound of that train is going to get louder and louder as God's Spirit begins to move through this country, through this nation, through our churches, through our lives, through our families. And if you desire that, ask and believe. I believe that it's happening. That God is looking for people who are saying, laying down their lives, you see. We're laying down our lives for Jesus. Laying our lives down is all we want. And allowing Jesus to come in and consume us with a love affair with the Father and with Jesus and with the Spirit like we've never known before. It's the only way. Father, bless this church. Touch us and revive us. Let us hear that train on the edge of the town getting closer and closer. Come, Holy Spirit. Revive us again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.